Welcome to Gateway Austin's online campus. My name is Eric Bryant. I'm the campus pastor, and I want to welcome you. Whether you're part of the Gateway Church family here in the Austin area, or you've been part of our online campus, you live in Canada, California, or Kalamazoo, we're just so glad that you're here with us. And maybe you've heard about this from a friend or family member. You are in for a treat. We're getting to hear from our founding pastor, John Burke. He's the best-selling author of Imagine Heaven, and this series is all about his new book, Imagine the God of Heaven. You're going to be blown away by the stories that we hear from those who've had near-death experiences, and you will gain incredible insights as John Burke opens the scriptures to us in a way that helps us understand. So open your mind, open your heart, and let's dive in. This light was shining over my shoulders. I realized there was a person standing right there. And he moved forward. It's like, oh, Jesus. I knew that I had known him my entire life. I was not shocked. I was not thinking, what is a nice Jewish girl like me seeing Jesus? Why am I seeing Jesus? No, I knew this man. I knew him. He was smiling at me. We were talking, but I mean, it's not like my mouth was moving, but I know we were talking. And he very quickly showed me my life. I saw him from the time I was formed in my mother's womb. He had been with me. He had always been with me. As I said, I'd been uh, bullied in, in school. So I had one good friend, Jimmy. A gang had come from uh, Camden, New Jersey. And because Jimmy was there alone, they beat him up. A few days later, they moved. And I didn't have a friend. And Jesus was showing me this. Jesus was telling me I was there this whole time. You didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. And he was showing me I was there. I was there. I was waiting for you. And then I was in another place, a theater, that theater of life again. And I was older. I was an orderly, orderly in a hospital. But I was there watching myself serving this boy food. He said, I'm dying. And uh, he was suffering from cancers. He said, I'm going to heaven. I was an agnostic at the time. And he said, um, do you know Jesus? I said, well, I, don't, I don't really believe. And this is, I'm watching myself with this boy. I said, well, that's great. If there's a heaven, I'm sure you'll be there. He said I would be in heaven. And that was decades earlier. And I realized Jesus had taught me the power of prayer. That stranger, that little boy, and he had prayed for me. And Jesus had shown me that because he had prayed for me, what he had told, foretold in that room, that I would be in heaven, that I was there at that very moment. You know, God is with you. And he's always been with you. He's always been there just waiting for you to turn to him. Even if you haven't yet. You can. And as we wrap up this Imagine the God of Heaven series, we're going to talk about the favorite part of, of the book, uh, that section four that I wrote about doing life with the God of joy. You know, one of the most interesting things I discovered in, in my research that, that really expanded the box I had God in was to hear about God's joy and God's laughter, even God's playfulness which may sound to some of you like blasphemous or just, just wrong. You know, maybe you grew up kind of like I did, like 
That's not God. God just hangs out in dark stained glass places, you know, far removed from where there's laughter or enjoyment of life. But if that's the image you have of God, you got to break that box open because that's not what God's like. It's not what the scripture says. It's not what indie ears say. You know, the whole point of all we've been talking about the last four weeks in this series is that God wants relationship with you. And that relationship starts right now and it grows through this life and then it grows on into eternity. You know, in the previous weeks, we've, we've talked about how when God looks at you, he is bursting inside with a love that is uniquely designed for you. And it's not based on what you've done right and it's not based, it's, it's not removed for what you've done wrong. It's unwavering his love for you. And the only thing that can keep you from God is your pride. You know, if you want God, if you want his love and his forgiveness that was made possible through Jesus, you can have it. The only thing that can keep you from it is your pride saying, no, don't need him. But the other side is that God won't force himself on you because what he created you for is loving relationship and you've got to be free to choose that. But this eternal relationship starts right now as we learn to do life with God. You know, Jesus was saying this his last night on earth when he explained, he said, as he prayed, he said, now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You know, indie ears consistently said to me that of all the, the beauty of heaven, of all the loving reunions, of all the wonders of heaven, nothing, nothing compared to just being with God. He is the love you've always wanted. And what Jesus made possible was not just you going to heaven one day, but the restoration of intimate relationship with God that keeps growing through this life so that more of heaven's love and joy can come to earth through you as you walk with him. This is what Jesus was trying to get across to us his last night on earth. In John chapter 14 and 15, he says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth, speaking of the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. See, again, it's all about loving, trusting relationship. And Jesus says his spirit is already with you, as we've discovered, but he will be in you. He will be in those who trust in Jesus so that his spirit can guide them. And then the Father and Jesus live in us by his spirit. And the only thing God requires for all this to happen is incredibly simple. You know, do you remember what, what God told Santosh? Um, we saw it weeks ago. Santosh, the Indian manufacturing engineer, he said this, I want to see how honest, how real you'll be with me. I want relationship, not once a week, 365 days a year. Walk with me, surrendered to me daily. That's what he said, I want honest relationship. And that's incredibly simple. In fact, Jesus tried to make it simple his last night on earth. He gave us this great analogy of what that looks like. He said, I am the vine, 
You are the branches. If you remain in me, like connect, like a branch connects to the trunk of a tree, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, Santosh told me when he read this verse in the Bible, he realized that's what the Lord was meaning. Trust in him. Walk with him through the moments of life connected to him in this ongoing, honest conversation. And his spirit will guide us and help us through life as we're willing. And that's the key. How willing are you each of the moments of life to obey God's promptings? See, here's the amazing thing. This one simple thing is all, is all you have to do. Just stay connected to God's spirit as you go through the moments of life and spiritual fruit will naturally grow from within you just like grapes grow naturally on a branch connected to a, a vine that's the source. And have you realized that yet? That doing life with God is incredibly simple. You just focus on one thing. Do life moment by moment, connected in this ongoing, honest conversation, willing to do God's will as he prompts you, and everything else takes care of itself. That's really what the scripture tells us. It's incredibly simple. The sin patterns, the addictions, the anger, the impatience, all those things you struggle with will, will begin to just go away as new things like love and joy and peace starts to grow naturally within you. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You won't even have to try hard to stop. Just instead, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, so that raises a question. How then can we let the Holy Spirit guide our lives if we've Never heard his voice. And this is where what indie ears have said, I think, can help us. You know, indie ears tell us that the Holy Spirit speaks thought to thought, in impressions, in our very being. Elijah, uh, the prophet, called this God's still small voice. Now, in heaven, nothing's blocking people's spiritual ears, so they hear very clearly. But on earth, it's incredibly noisy, and, and there's stuff that gets in the way, so we have to develop ears that can hear. That's what Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders about who would crucify him when he said this, the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear. You know, many times in the scripture, Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And what he's saying is that spiritual hearing is first a matter of the heart, of a, a, a willingness. How willing are you to get quiet, to listen deeply, to pay attention to those thoughts because God speaks thought to thought. It all starts in the thoughts. You know, three indie ears that I interviewed for the new book talked about this, the importance of our thoughts and starting with our thoughts. Penny, in God's presence, had a life review. And she told me this. She said, of all the things I've done in my life I'm not proud of, the thing he showed me is probably the hardest to never do again. She said it was to control my thoughts about other people. God showed me the negative thoughts I carried. And he said, let me explain something to you. A thought has a certain energy to it. A word has even more. An action has even more than that. 
But it all starts with a thought. You know, what you think about is then what you talk about is then what you act out, right? And that's why Paul said this, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Do you pay attention to your thoughts? Listening for God's thoughts that line up with scripture, then willing you know, to, to talk every thought over, even the sinful thoughts, even the hateful judgmental thoughts. Do you talk these over with God? Because here's the thing, you know, you gotta know God's grace or you won't, right? So you have to know what we've been talking about, that God forgives everything. He's already paid for it in Christ. He doesn't stand ready to condemn you, so you'll let him into his thought, your thoughts so that he can guide your thoughts, which guide your words, which guide your actions. Listen to how Erica, this nurse, and Randy, the CEO, discovered during their NDE how listening moment by moment, letting God guide our thoughts, not only helps us become more of who he wants, but helps us accomplish our purpose in life. Watch. I remember God telling me to look to my right. And this lesson was the only moment in time during my whole experience that I saw uh, a physical form of God. And what I saw was a human fingertip, the hand, the arm, all the way to the shoulder. But it was the size of a semi-truck. And in the palm of his hand appeared this huge rock, a boulder. God saying to me, you are the rock. And then all of a sudden, this light, so brilliant, it was almost blinding. And it comes from this single rock. And God says, you are the light. The light is of me, and I am with you. And when he said that to me, he dropped the rock and below appeared the largest body of water. And we watched as this single rock plunged into the ocean and it made a huge impact. And yet it only made one single huge ripple. And God explained to me that mankind is the water and I was the ripple. And like that rock, right? And that ripple affects the water, so too do my words and my thoughts and my actions affect mankind? And then I understood in that moment, it wasn't just about me. It was about each and every one of us. Our thoughts, words, and our actions will impact everyone, people we won't even see. He told me that he was uh, returning me. I wanted to know why. I was, a, in the world, a type A personality. I, I, I had five-year, 10-year plans. I, so I asked him, what, what am I supposed to do? And I was asking essentially for a blueprint, you know, just what am I to do? What am I to be? And he said this. He said, moment by moment, I will re reveal my purpose to you. He said he would not reveal my purpose in full or else I would not be relying upon him steeped in his presence, and I knew he was preparing me to live in the moments that he had orchestrated for my life. I learned a valuable lesson from heaven, and that is the Holy Spirit is speaking to us constantly, and we're not, just not listening. You know, when Paul talked about uh, praying unceasingly, I was, I would always think, well, how could we do that, you know? But what, what really superseded all of that was that 
I knew I could go to him 24-7. And even when I was sleeping, he would be there. So now uh, my, our, my prayers are in conversation. So, you know, all of these conversations in a continuous fashion, not all of the time, obviously the cares of the world get in the way sometimes, but in a more constant state of not mind, but of spirit. One of my life reviews was, I was asked to teach in church, different classes, and I was very rigid. And he was showing me these. And I was like, I was seeing myself, I was there. And I was looking at this person as a third person to myself. And I saw he said, and I, I remember looking to the Lord and said, wow, I was really rigid there. And, you know, that, and he chuckled and uh, he said, when you allow my spirit to guide you, you will have more joy. You will not be stressed. Not amazing to think about. God's Spirit is speaking to us all the time to lead us and guide us and ease our stresses and our burdens. You know, Jesus said that in, in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, that he, he wants to ease our burdens. But we have to develop spiritual ears to hear. So how? How do we do that? Well, first, We've got to become a student of God's character. And God has revealed his character through the scriptures. You know, as we've said, the Bible is, is a, a record of 1,500 years of God's interactions with humanity, showing us his will and his way so we can know him and love him and follow him and better discern the promptings of his Holy Spirit that align with scripture. Because see, here's an important thing to understand. Not every thought you think is your own. Maybe most of them are, or I don't know, maybe as Randy said, maybe many are from the Holy Spirit trying to guide you or maybe are guiding you. But others, other thoughts are evil and they're evil's temptations to derail you from God's path. But the thing is, you're free to choose. It's where you set your mind. And I find the more willing I am to listen for those promptings, and then act in faith when I think God's prompting me, the more I am able to look back and see he was guiding me, and then the more clearly I hear. You know, uh, I've given our church many examples of this over the years, but one I'm still in awe over is, is when I was single and working still as an engineer out in California, and, and Dave, a good friend of mine, was a, a communications coach, and he saw a gift in me. He said, hey, bro, you have a gift of teaching. And I said, oh, no, no, I don't do that. Uh, and, and he said, no, you, you have a gift. And he saw that I like to learn and then I like to share what I've learned. But I told him, no, I, I, I'm terrified of public speaking. And he said, let me coach you. You know, just, just do a talk and, and, and let me coach you. I said, nope, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that, Dave. Just stop asking. He kept asking for months. And then, and I kept saying no, and then about two months later, I was having a, a quiet time of prayer one day when I hear this thought in my mind, when you resist Dave, you resist me. Now, that could have been just my random thought, except I didn't want to think that thought. And the thought came again, when you resist Dave, you resist me. And I decided to act on that thought as a step of faith to be obedient to God. I said yes to Dave. And, you know, looking back now, decades later, I'm blown away. I don't say this boasting on me, I'm nothing. But to look back and see that, that God led me step by step to not only develop this gift he had given, but 
to allow me to communicate to over 100,000 people in 30 countries over the last three decades. Only God, only he could do that. But it all started with a thought and a prompting that I decided to say yes to, and then another, and then another. And that, friends, is how we walk in relationship with God. We pray, and prayer is just honest, open, vulnerable communication. It's talking through God with God about everything. I even talk to him about my sinful thoughts. You know, sometimes I just say, God, you know, I want to obey you. Help me understand how. Sometimes I say, God, I don't want to obey you. I'm just honest. Sometimes all I can get is just help, you know. And I find if I'll just even say that, even though my heart is against him, he'll help me. It's amazing. So we have to learn to listen to these prompting thoughts and then do what we think God wants us to do. And we look back and we see. Because prayer matters to God. And prayer can be this ongoing conversation throughout the day. Prayer can be in quiet times of solitude in the morning or evening. Prayer can be out loud with family or friends. But God hears every prayerful thought from your heart. Every one. And I discovered that in heaven, prayers are visible, tangible things that move the hand of God. Remember, Jim is that commercial airline pilot who is an agnostic right up to the point when he realized he was overdosing on opioids and was dying, and he cries out to God for forgiveness literally before his head hit the steering wheel. I joke with Jim, man, you beat the thief on the cross for last-minute salvation. And what was amazing is that his wife had been praying for him for a long time, and uh, she didn't know where he was with God. But listen to how he saw her prayers. First of all, I experienced that every prayer is important and that he wants to hear from us. When I was leaving my body and going to be with the Father and Jesus, I can remember these lights that were passing me by. They looked like shooting stars, but they weren't, John. They were the prayers that people were praying for me and others, and they were headed to the Father. Our very mouth and our very voice was created for him, so he wants to hear from us. People always ask me, well, how do you pray? What do you do? It has to come from your heart. You know, God hears your heart. And sometimes people say, well, is it just people that know God? That Anybody that cries out to him, he's hearing them. I found out prayers don't have a shelf life. There's no expiration date on them. God honors your prayers. There is no unheard prayers. And as I'm standing there, I look up in the sky of heaven, and I see these brilliant streaks of light going straight up. And I said, what are these? And the guardian said, those, James, are the prayers of your family for your soul even now going toward God's throne. He saw the tears in my eyes and he said, James, sadly, mankind is losing the will to pray. He said, your forefathers, when they were finished their day's work in the fields or in the factories, after dinner, they had what used to be called eventide and they would read the Bible or pray as a family. And he said, sadly, they are losing that with all your technology of instantaneous gratification. And that is a wonderful achievement of the intelligence that God gave you. Now, when, when mankind gets a few spare minutes at the end of a busy day, what do they do? Check Facebook, text, Instagram. And there's nothing wrong with that. But remember this, that when you have those rare moments of peace in our busy life, he wants you to sit and talk to him. 
Listen, listen for the sound of God's voice. The angel said, every prayer you've ever issued, ever thought, ever contemplated is recorded in heaven. And it's not to create an I gotcha moment. What it's for is that when you have your life review, it's to help you understand why you made the decisions you did and, and the consequences of that on your life and on others. There was answered prayers coming up and the, even the prayers seemed to take on some kind of uh, crystalline, kind of starry appearance and they were being ushered forth before the throne and they would be met by God God the Father would speak those forth and Jesus being there with him emblazoned in this this ball of light. The Father in his might because he was so awe-inspiring in his appearance and he was declarative of these answered prayers. He would speak to the angels and they would go through these what looked like portals and then they would go down. So these prayers are coming up and then what was established from the throne was being poured forth on earth. That wild? I mean, sometimes you just go like, what? And I, you know, that prayer is tangible in heaven and it moves the hand of God. And you know, I'll be honest with you, the first time I heard this, you know, describing prayer as something seen like shooting stars, I was like, yeah, maybe. And, and I, when I've heard a lot of these guys, you know, at first they say something like that, I kind of put it on a shelf over here, like maybe. And I hear it from two and then four and then six of them. And then I start to ask, well, where does that align with scripture? Maybe that there's something there. And, and then even with this, I found you know, in Revelation uh, 8, chapter, verse 3, you know, it talks about the prayers going up to the throne. But, you know, that's the way I'd encourage you to. Like, don't take what indie ears say and there are these one-off things you look first for how does this align with scripture and are a lot of them saying that or if not, maybe it's just a one-off thing. But I'll tell you, hearing these indie ears talk about prayer in heaven changed my prayer life. It did. Because I started to realize that every prayer I pray is actually doing something. You know, I pray for, for my neighbors, my American and Indian and Israeli neighbors. They, they live all on my block and I pray for them. I, I pray regularly for them. And then I start to lose heart sometimes. I'm like, well, nothing's happening. And I started to realize that, you know what? Even if I don't see things happening, what they're telling me is that God acts. Like he hears it and he does stuff. Just like Randy was shown by Jesus, that, that little boy who was dying of cancer prayed for him and said, you'll be in heaven one day and God honored that little boy's prayers, I don't know how, but somehow to get Randy there. Now, God doesn't force a person's free will. They can reject him, but God does do things in response to our prayer for the sake of others. It accomplishes stuff. And you may never see what your prayers accomplished until you stand before God. And just like Jim said, you know, in the book of your life, you're able to see every prayer and how God answered it for good. And mothers and fathers, pray for your kids. Man, I, I'll tell you what, God keeps track of every single prayer. This is another one that just blew me away. This 20-year-old this um, named Ivan Tuttle, he died of a drug overdose and was in this hellish NDE. And he said this, I heard a voice like a mighty roar of thunder that said, it's not his time yet. 
His mother has been praying for him since he was a little boy. You must release him now. And then Ivan told me, the voice said that my mother had prayed over 28,000 times for me. God knew every one. And it was her faithful prayers that saved me that day. And I heard this from uh, Steve Kong from Korea. I heard this from uh, Ian McCormick from New Zealand, that their mothers had prayed for them and they were rescued. So again, God doesn't change that son or daughter's free will, but God does respond to our prayers. And you know what I found over three decades now of pastoring people? One of the main reasons we don't pray, one of the main reasons we don't walk moment by moment in honest conversation with God, willing to do his will, is because we don't really imagine that God's that good. That's the truth. We just don't imagine that God is full of joy, fun, that God's even enjoyable. And you know, probably for some of you, that just strikes you as wrong. That God would be full of joy, full of fun, even playfulness, laughter. And maybe that sounds blasphemous to you. you know? Maybe you, you picture God sitting up there with his arms crossed, looking down like, anybody having fun yet down there? Well, stop it. Some of us have always pictured God that way. And I want to tell you, that's not what the scripture says. And that's not what indie ears say either. And you need to let God out of the box that you've got him in. You know, Jesus said that last night on earth, he said, stay connected to me. That's the one thing you have to do and you'll bear much fruit. And then he said this right after, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Do you imagine God this way? Have you realized that God is the most joy-filled, enjoyable being in the universe? C.S. Lewis said it this way, joy is the serious business of heaven. And indie ears agree. But most people don't, don't picture God that way. And, and you know what's crazy? In researching to write Imagine the God of Heaven, I went back through all my theology texts from seminary and I, and I looked, read, wrote out all of the attributes of God and do you know, not one of my seminary texts had anything about joy being an attribute of God? Why? I mean, this is what Jesus said. God is joyful. Do you know that God instituted seven national festivals for the people of Israel, saying, come together. And he, and he said, then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. Why would God want that? Because he's God of joy. God institutes these joyful like street parties for this whole nation. And some of them are more reflective and somber, but he also is a God that has given us everything good. Have you ever thought about that? You know, when, when we don't realize that God is the creator of everything we enjoy, we miss the connection of who God really is. I mean, think about it. Everything you've ever loved about life, every pleasure, every thrill, every adventure, everything, even sex, <laughs> who do you think created you with the ability to enjoy it? God. Now, can we abuse and misuse his good gifts? Of course we can. But every good gift came from God. 
And have you ever considered that God wants to enjoy you enjoying his good gifts? Do you imagine God that way? Enjoying you enjoying life with him. You know, if you've ever given a, a, a gift to your kid or to someone else's kid, don't you enjoy them enjoying it? Now, I remember when um, I was 45 years old, <clears throat> my son was in middle school and I gave him a skateboard. And, and um, I, I so enjoyed watching him learn to skate and then he wanted to go to the skate park. So I started taking him every week to the skate park and I would sit there watching and I was just thrilled. I, I so enjoyed him, you know, just enjoying going down these ramps and bowls and, you know, this big pool-like thing. And, uh, and, and I sat there thinking, I wish I could do it with him. That would be even more enjoyable. But I'm 45, I'm too old. And week after week, I, I, I sat there watching him. And then one week I thought, who says? And you know, at 45, I learned how to skate the bowls with my son. I learned how to drop down an eight foot face and just, it was a thrill. And we enjoyed that so much together. I enjoyed my son so much doing that skating for three years. And then I broke my foot and that put an end to it. But it was three fun years with him. Some of us think God is just too old to have fun, to enjoy life with us. But you know, that's not the truth. And I'll tell you honestly, when I first heard Heidi, for instance, talk about Jesus taking her, surfing a wave of light at like the speed of light, I was like, uh, I wish, but probably not. Put it on the shelf. And then I heard this 12-year-old Sarah talk about how Jesus took her on a similar high-speed adventure that was so fun. And then I hear a, a, a doctor in our church come up to me one Sunday and tell me I came to faith because my four-year-old who died in childhood and, and was brought back at four started telling me, I want to run and play in the fields with Jesus again. And they said, we had never talked about Jesus. We had never gone to church. We didn't let him watch TV. We were like, where'd you learn about Jesus? He kept saying, I want to go play with Jesus again in the fields when he came and got me in the hospital. And they came to Gateway and they came to faith because of it. Can you imagine that that's what God is like? You know, G.K. Chesterton said this, maybe the problem is we've sinned and grown old and our heavenly father is much younger than we are. Imagine that. That's what indie ears say, that God is full of joy and even laughter, you know, that he gets us. That, can you imagine? God even laughs at your jokes, not your dad jokes, your good jokes, which may sound almost blasphemous, but why? I mean, haven't you connected the dots? Who created us with this sophisticated type of communication? You know, laughter is one of the, the highest order most sophisticated ways of communicating. And, and modern medicine tells us that laughter is good for our health. But the Bible told us that 3,000 years ago. A joyful heart is good medicine, the proverb says. See, the truth is God is better than you can even imagine in every way. And here's what he tells you. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do you imagine God that way, that he's the kind of God who longs to just give you the desires of your heart? 
Now that doesn't mean that if you want a Lamborghini, you're gonna get the Lamborghini. You know, Jesus said in this world, you'll have a lot of trouble. This world is not always easy. But you know what I've realized interviewing some of these indie ears, so many of them saying the same thing? That I think God meant it literally one day in eternity. Listen to how some of these people talk about how God in, in heaven shows them how he wants to give the desires of our hearts. Watch. He said, open your eyes. And I didn't want to open my eyes because I was in that darkness. I said, God, the only way I can open my eyes is if you show me any family members that have died. And he says, look to your right. And I saw, <sighs> I saw my two dogs. Um, and I knew by seeing them, there was love. And I started seeing this huge, massive tree. The trunk of the tree is massive. I'm seeing a garden. I'm seeing the tree. And I'm seeing, you know, those cement benches? I see a cement, but, but it's gold. And I see a little girl just running around uh, laughing. And my, my whole being was just enjoying the love. I had joy. And it's a ridiculous quantity of joy. that I've heard it called divine joy, but it's something like you wish you could be that happy. I mean, happiness is not even a, a comparable word. Put me into ecstasy. Jesus, he's hilarious. He's so funny. He's, he's just, he smiles, he laughs. I mean, who, the whole time we were surfing on that wave of light, he's like, this is really cool, isn't it? I'm like, yes, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. He likes to joke. Don't ask me what, what he said that was so funny because I can't remember, but he just, we were laughing the whole, the entire time we were together. I think Jesus chose to take me on that surfing trip, on that flight, because I was a 16-year-old. I was really into cutting edge stuff, really pushing the boundaries, and he knew it would be fun as a way to to hook me. <laughs> you know, that was really and truly the most fun thing I have ever done, living or dead. Jesus was showing me these various sights uh, around heaven, and he motioned toward uh, a hill cascading down this mountain was like a waterfall, but it wasn't a water. It was, there were linens, silky linens were flowing down from this mountaintop. I was mesmerized by, by that. They were flowing over this field and I saw children bouncing on top of these linens and the angels were bouncing with them, just playing with the children. And so I asked Jesus why he was showing this to me and he told me that these were uh, the ones who had left the world too soon. The Holy Spirit was explaining to me that, uh, the, that the Lord was restoring, as restoring their joy, and they were living out their childhood in heaven. He was restoring my joy and explaining to me that this is joy. And joy was the ethos of heaven. And joy was not the removal of, uh, of any malady or sickness or suffering. It was being in the presence of Jesus. We each have an experience with God that contains elements of what we loved during our time on earth. So for me, when they showed me the horses in the, in the field, 
And you know, I have horses at home as we speak. And uh, these beautiful three horses came trotting out from beyond the trees. I had my dog, Casey, little toy fox terrier. And uh, Casey was my savior. I mean, I came home from a bad day and uh, Casey would jump up, lick me like a lollipop. He was my everything. He, he died when I was in uh, college. And uh, he showed me this. Jesus was speaking to me audibly. And uh, he said, turn around. And he waved like this. And I looked, looked around. It was Casey. And I was in heaven at this time. And Casey was there jumping up and I held him. And he kissed me like a lollipop, you know. <laughs> and and, uh, and I set him down and uh, he ran off into the field, you know, blooming with flowers. Jesus said, see, I give you the desires of your heart. See, I give you the desires of your heart. That's God. Do you imagine him that way? You know, so many of us, we don't wholeheartedly follow him in this life because we, we fear we're going to miss out somehow. You'll never miss a thing. He gives you the desires of your heart. That's his heart. You know, Jesus told Randy, as you kind of heard that, he said, you know, all suffering and sorrow at the root comes from separation from me, Jesus said. You know, right now, maybe many of you, some of you, you're going through horrific times. You're going through difficult, horrible circumstances. And you know, as we've seen, God is with you in it and he understands and he has compassion and sympathy. But he also has a joy that he wants to give you even in the midst of it. You know, Habakkuk saw it this way in the midst of his horrible circumstances. He said, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. See, joy is your birthright as a son or daughter of God. You can Find joy in God, not necessarily in your circumstances, but you can find joy in God even when your spouse isn't doing right, even when your business is, is crashing, even when a, a friend or others are betraying you. There is a joy that comes from God that no circumstance can take away. And that, friends, is your birthright. So walk with God. And enjoy him because he enjoys you. And joy is what you'll experience for eternity. Well, let me lead us in prayer. God, we so need to understand this. That you are the God who created everything good that we enjoy. Lord, it is such a lie that we're going to find what our hearts desire apart from you. Somehow going away from you. That's how evil keeps us trapped. And Lord, some of us have just never realized that being in right relationship with you is so simple. And if you're not sure you're right with God, just tell him right now in your heart, I want your forgiveness. I want your leadership. I want what Jesus did to count for me. Come lead and guide me. And thank you, God, that you made it that simple so that we would let you in moment by moment 
doing life with you so that your joy and love and peace would be what grows more and more naturally in us. And that's what I pray for all of us, that this series has inspired us to see you more accurately and walk with you more fully. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hope that was helpful and meaningful to you. You know, if you're going through something, would you let us know? Our prayer team is here to pray for you. Just click the button, request prayer. If you're new to us, would you introduce yourself to us? You can simply do that at gatewaychurch.com slash connect. And to encourage you to do that, we have a gift we'd love to give to you. Some of you will get a copy of John's new book. Others of you might get an audiobook of Fruitful, Becoming the Person God Created You to Be. Or you might even get a Starbucks gift card. Just introduce yourself at gatewaychurch.com slash connect. There you can let us know if you want to join a group, if you want to jump in and serve with us, or even how we can be praying. We also want to make sure you know you can stay connected with us through our social media channels at YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. If you want to purchase a copy of John's new book, just go to imaginethegodofheaven.com and you can buy one for yourself or for your friends and family along the way. Finally, if this is your church family, thank you for your generosity. If you're a guest, there'll no obligation to give, but you should know that those who are part of the Gateway Austin online church family give generously so that we can experience this together. Your giving is making a difference here in Austin and globally. If you'd like to join us in giving, simply do that by going to gatewaychurch.com give. So be sure and continue the journey with us at Gateway Austin Online.